Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Hello, Sharon. Back in the studio, but not together today. I know, and I can't see you, Jeremy, and I'm missing your sweet face. Well, I'm in my pajamas today. I just decided to wear them to the office. So, you know, I, and I'm not going to tell you <laughs> well, what I, I sleep in, so it's hate probably I'm good that, that you can't see me, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't even know you wore pajamas. <laughs> well, see, I, I've slept in the same room as your husband before. I will just say that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's for another show altogether. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, speaking of shows, I think we have an amazing show lined up today. Oh, my goodness. And I have been waiting for this one. And we have got somebody so important. And so without further ado, I think you need to go ahead and let the secret out, Jeremy, who we have, because she's so incredibly busy, we can't take a whole lot of her time. Exactly. Especially uh, in today's times, we all have a lot going on with this uh, coronavirus and so forth going around. So, But Bethany Hall Long, welcome. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me today. So excited to join you and Sharon. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. So for our listeners who don't know who Bethany is, she is the Lieutenant Governor of Delaware. And uh, Bethany, why don't you give us just a little bit of background and I'll chime in because if you leave out any of these uh, amazing accolades that you have, I'll make sure and bring them up. Well, thank you. Well, it is awesome to be uh, here with Sharon, a fellow nurse. And uh, I am so delighted to join your listening audience. My background is one in which I have been in healthcare for over three decades and have practiced in various settings in nursing from the hospital to the community and pretty much have landed in public health and education. I am a professor at the University of Delaware and teach in both the uh, graduate and undergraduate programs. And how I came to know Sharon, uh, one of my uh, doctoral students is a advanced practice registered nurse anesthetist, CNRNA, and so delighted that uh, he had connected us. And in my other hats, uh, I've had the opportunity and the pleasure of serving as a state representative in Delaware for six years in the early 2000s. And in the latter 2000s, had the opportunity to move to the Senate where I served for nine years and then decided in 2016 to run into the executive branch side and ran as lieutenant governor. And this fall, we'll be seeking uh, my second term as Delaware's lieutenant governor. And along the way, I've had different lessons, but I have to say I'm delighted to be here today because nurses need to join other folks at the policymaking tables. 
because if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So ah. I'm really hoping today that with our conversation, we can talk about lots of issues, but also, you know, why it, why it really matters. And uh, be happy to share with you kind of what got me into politics, uh, why it matters. And I think you're seeing to, in our world today with the coronavirus, uh, as a public health nurse and faculty, why it is really important to have the calming voices of nurses in the policy-making world. And so that's kind of a quick summary. The personal summary would be, you know, raised on a farm in Delaware, travel with my husband who was military in the Navy, have a son who is now uh, out of college, and um, did all of this, you know, while balancing um, being a mom and working, and uh, I'm just thrilled to be here today and hope I can inspire others on the line to uh help those who are running for office or think about running themselves. Yeah, and, and also one thing you left out is, from my understanding, you are chair-elect of the National Lieutenant oh, Governors Association. Yeah, I forgot that part. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I am uh, chair-elect of the National Lieutenant Governor Association. Uh, had uh, that uh, opportunity this past year to be working with my good colleague, uh, Lena Fugger, out of Louisiana, and uh, have had the opportunity to work on a lot of bipartisan issues, and it's a real pleasure to be in the uh, NLGA chair-elect position. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you're right. Our topic for today is nursing and public policy and why nurses should be involved. And Sharon, I know you have a passion for this, um, which is probably uh, your and Bethany's connection here. But Sharon, why don't you kick us off and um, get us going down this road? Absolutely. Thank you, Jeremy. Well, I've got a little bit of a story to tell. Also, um, I connected with Bethany because I wanted her to be my mentor for a project that I had to complete for Yale, and she so graciously accepted. Um, I was supposed to be with her today, but the coronavirus kind of derailed my travel plans, so we'll be looking towards me coming up and spending some time with her hopefully in April or May, hopefully April. Um, so uh, first of all, I want to thank her for this opportunity. But, you, you know, we have been doing a project about starting a candidate school for nurses at Yale, and we've been looking at a lot of reasons why nurses become involved or don't become involved. So, Bethany, if you could share with us, where did your interest in a political career come from? Uh, you know, it wasn't something that uh, when I first was getting out of college had really come to my mind. And what I'm meaning, you know, as a young 20-year-old, but it came in my mid-20s. Um, I actually was in South Carolina at the Medical University of South Carolina and uh, had the opportunity to have some great faculty there. But I'll be frank with you. You know, I was in a classroom. I have to confess, I was late to class, and I was the public health nurse uh, working toward working with homeless. And it was during this experience that I had a policy course uh, led by Betty Bear, who at that time was the national president of the American Academy or Association of Nurse Midwives, right? And um, one of the topics was policy and politics. Well, lo and behold, nobody wanted that subject, right? So I come into class, and I was five minutes late, and there was my name next to something called policy and politics. And I thought, oh, no, bunch of older men in backfilled rooms with cigars. Why would nurses want to ever be involved in policy? Well, it changed my life. 
And I always tell students when they get an assignment or even those who are not students who are at work and maybe get the assignment that isn't their first choice to see the glass is half full. That turned into an awesome experience. I suddenly learned how my clinical expertise, whether it was my background as uh, OB, labor delivery, NICU nurse, in population health, working with high-risk communities, could actually transfer that knowledge into population health, into public health. And I was just fascinated at how little, and this was in the 80s, how little nurses were actually serving in public office, how few nurses were at the table. And for those who were at the table, they were making monumental differences. So as I watched nurse leaders in Washington, D.C. at that time, they were leading big efforts like creation of the Diagnostic Related Groups, DRGs, that led to payment reform. You had nurses working on Capitol Hill doing major projects. So that's how I kind of got into the journey, um, going into this experience. And I found I could help mentally ill homeless veterans that I was working with in Charleston, South Carolina. And so it was kind of an indirect path. It wasn't direct. But once I got the bug, it's kind of like you, Sharon, now that you've got the bug and you're at the Yale School and you're offering the campaign school, you know, it kind of grabs a hold of you and you recognize, my goodness, that this is really the most important thing that we could actually do as patient advocates. Yeah. Well, you know, let's kind of punt back for just a minute as well, Bethany. And why don't you talk to us a little bit about your first election um, and lessons learned from it? And, uh, you know, I imagine there were a lot of lessons learned. Sharon herself has run for political office before, uh, but I'm not sure a lot of nurses out there have. So maybe a little bit of background might help us uh, coax some more into the equation here. Absolutely. We'd love to have folks uh, run for office. And if not run for office, consider helping those who are running for office that maybe have your viewpoint. Or perhaps you serve in a policy role in a regulatory executive branch And many of the listeners, I would assume, are probably leaders in their health systems already or hospital systems. And, um, you know, I genuinely, um, you know, think about the choice of running and and jumping in office. And I'm trying to think here, Sharon, where would you like me to go with the question? I mean, I don't know. There's a lot I could tackle here. What do you think? Well, I think because in looking at your electoral journey, you lost your first election. Mm -hmm. And I lost my first election and only election so far. And so I think letting people know, do not let that hold you back um, would be great. Great. Yeah. And I have so many tasks. I had a lot I could share. So let's start with that conversation about joining the fray and not being afraid. And, you know, for me, it really came from moving back to my home state. I had been in South Carolina and then moved to Washington, D.C., which we'll come back to later. I will share with you. Um, or actually, I'll share it real quickly now, real quickly. I utilized my time in South Carolina to make internships and pick up the phone and not be afraid to ask for experiences and internships. And so I actually called the U.S. Secretary of Health office and said, listen, I'm moving to Washington, D.C. I'm a a graduate student. Is there a position, something I could help with? And so I actually got assigned to the Secretary's Commission on Nursing. And so, again, I would encourage your listeners to actually make sure, you know, to look at experiences, not be afraid. You don't have to commit your whole life, uh, but maybe it's a few hours a week initially. Uh, Get engaged locally. And that's what I did. I got engaged with the League of Local uh, Women Voters. I went to some community meetings. 
I got involved with a couple campaigns when I left South Carolina and moved to Washington, D.C., Virginia, metropolitan area. And then while I was finishing there, my doctoral studies at George Mason University had the opportunity to become a Senate fellow with Bob Dole, Ted Kennedy, Thad Cochran, and work on issues. And so, again, kind of earning my stripes, you know, kind of learning to get involved in policy. I got involved in a local campaign. I got involved with um, getting folks engaged in making sure they um, knew how to door knock and, and answer calls and campaign. So all of this was really important. And then I ran, like you said, when I moved to Delaware. And during that time, you know, to the listeners, I want you to realize it's really, really important that you um, really engaged in knowing um, your candidates that are in the community. And for those who are listening on the phone, you're probably thinking, you know, why should I? You know, I'm working nine to five. I've got kids or I'm in the hospital at seven to seven. If you don't get involved, other people are going to make those decisions for you. And that's what I saw was happening. So like you, Sharon, it was probably a reason in the community. I said, I can't take this anymore. I was back here in Delaware. Public health was having a crisis. We were having issues with women being discharged so soon from the hospital. We had a lot of homeless, mentally ill persons who weren't getting treatment. And I said, enough is enough. You know what? I'm going to quit being a spectator and I'm going to join the arena. And so I'm going to roll my sleeves up. And I want to give it my best shot. And so I like you. I ran the first time. I lost my absentee ballots. And I was like, you know what? I'm coming back. And so then I did come back. And I was able to um, come back and win the next time. And so that, to me, is really, really important. So, wow, I'm hearing a lot of messages right there. I'm hearing that you can start small. I'm also hearing the answers always no if you don't ask the question. I mean, there are a lot of lessons just in that just couple of minutes right there. And they are all just fantastic lessons for nurses to take away. You keep alluding to nurses being in public policy and and why. And, you know, instead of being on the implementation phase, I hear you saying we need to be making the policy. Can you elaborate just a little bit more on that? And why should nurses yeah. be making policy? Well, you know, and you don't have to be an attorney. You know, if you're a nurse and you're in practice and you're seeing things, you're at 2 a.m. in the middle of the shift and like you're a nurse anesthetist and you see some things that are happening, Nobody else is going to understand or recognize that. You know, right now I'm doing a lot in our state around the opioid crisis of behavioral health and mental health. And, you know, we don't have to wait for others. Nurses need to not be reactionary. We need to be proactive because we really are great listeners. We're really good decision makers. And we are really good speakers and advocates. And a lot of times I think we feel like oh, we have to follow the commands of others. We don't. This is a time that our nation really is relying on nursing with the Affordable Care Act. And even now that this month we're dealing with the coronavirus, we need our expertise. And so, again, for the nurses who are involved, you can be involved in policy not only in your hospital or your health system or your local prison or occupational health setting or school nurse setting or those of you who are in various levels of independent, maybe operations centers of independent practice, we really need to hear from you. Uh, Your reimbursement levels, 
uh, are all tied to value-based care. And who better to determine quality of care in America than nurses? And in particular, your podcast listeners have a real opportunity. They can email, they can phone call, they can help write out policies. I would be biased and like to be like Jeremy and, uh, you know, have all these nurses jump in and run in uh, 2020 this year or in 2022. We need more health providers and we really need more nurses. Yeah. What are some of the risks of nurses not being involved in public policy? And I think I heard you say yeah. one earlier that if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Yeah. And it affects our patients. Number one, you know, nurses are very committed people who really genuinely care about others. You know, we're a little organized, we're a little conscious, you know, we have certain personality and characteristic traits, I think. But I think at the end of the day, we're driven by our heart. But as much as we're driven by our heart, we have to be driven by our head. And American voters today are listening to issues of heart, head, and pocketbook. And the most important thing we can do, you know, as nurses is to really, you know, really be at the table and sharing that we need to have folks listening to us and making those decisions. You know, policymakers, a lot of these guys don't have the understanding. When I say guys, meaning guys and women who are in elected office, they don't understand the difference between an advanced practice registered nurse and a licensed practical nurse. They don't understand healthcare other than their own personal lived experience or what their neighbor has told them or what they saw with one of their parents uh, or their own experience. So again, we have to make sure that we don't make assumptions. So, and the risk that nurses run to directly answer your question, Jeremy, you know, if you're not at the table again, you're going to be left behind your reimbursement levels. You're not going to have the same scope of practice. Scope of practice to your listening audience is probably very important. My doctoral student, whom Sharon knows, Ron Costato, in the state of Delaware, did his dissertation with me around independent advanced practice registered nurse practice. And his dissertation led to research that led to policy change. He helped write the legislation that led to APRNs in the state of Delaware to have independent practice. Certainly, there was give and take. We worked with our medical uh, board and society. There was some collaboration in the first two years. But without nurses at the table, nurses speaking, that is just one piece of legislation. We also have made changes in other areas, but there's still a lot of unique policies across this nation. And to your listening audience, you could probably write up 10 things you think are silly policies that your state has that you probably could address. For example, in Delaware right now, our law, if you're riding a motorcycle, the helmet doesn't go on your head. The law is the helmet has to be on the motorcycle. Oh, my god! Again, that was (laughs) So this is just one Mm. example. There are many other examples where nurses and their input can have a difference. Wow. My goodness. Uh, A helmet just has to be on the motorcycle. Well, that's very helpful to be sure. So what I also hear you, (laughs) what I also hear you saying is that if no one speaks for nurses on issues, who will? Well, we know who will. We know those around us, other providers. You know, and again, I am the most collaborative person. I think we all learn better when we play together 
such as physicians and nurses in the sandbox, right? If we are in the classroom, but if we don't, physicians are going to speak for us, hospital administrators, uh, community-based providers, our federally qualified health system administrators. These are the individuals that are going to speak for nurses. And some of them will speak quite well and eloquently, but others really won't always have the best interests of our customers, whom I call customers, our clients or the nursing profession. And as we're developing as a nursing science, as many of you are going on and getting your doctoral degrees or your graduate degrees, uh, you know, we need the science of nursing to be distinguished and separate from medicine and other providers. Well, I think we're seeing part of this right now. I read an article today about the hospital association is wanting to back off of the particular respirator masks for nurses, even though they're frontline providers. So the hospital association is making decisions regarding nursing versus nursing making the decisions regarding nursing during this COVID-19 So I believe that's a case in point of exactly what you're talking about. Right, where nurses need to be involved and where the science really matters. And, you know, again, this is where, you know, people need to look to the Centers for Disease Control and other uh, epidemiologists, whether you're talking about the mask or whether you're talking about extended hours or shift work. You know, a lot of the data are there through nurses' studies around what is better for the patient care at the bedside um, for quality of care and what is good for morale and recruitment and retention, you know, in nursing, particularly during times of a nurse shortage or a disaster or a crisis in our community or our state. Yeah, and, you know, I guess one of the questions I always think in my head are, one, I would feel like nurses are very equipped to run for political office, in my mind, but why don't they? What did you say, that nurses, what was the last part of the question? Well, I feel like they're equipped to run for political office. I mean, you guys are organized, methodical, critical thinkers. Um, You know, there's a lot of skill set that I think could be transposed over to the political climate. But why do more nurses not run for political office? Any ideas? Well, I have ideas, and I know Sharon does, too. So I don't want to be the monopoly monopolizer in conversation, Sharon. I don't know if you want to start or want me to start. That's up to you. Well, I think you need to go ahead and start because I know that you've been in touch with a lot of nurses who have run for office and who have been unsuccessful, and I know that you're a mentor to some of these nurses. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of it deals with, um, it's, it's a multi-tiered thing. It's like peeling back an onion, why people get involved in policy and politics. Sometimes there needs to be a crisis or there's a real hot like ticket item that really motivates nurses to run. Four or five decades ago, we were a totally female profession. You know, today our demography of the profession has changed. Um, many more males and other ages were much more diverse. We're not just a bunch of young women coming out of school who are quote unquote trained. Um, and that has played a little role because women's roles have shifted and our profession has become more diverse. Also, we have the education. Look at Sharon and her class. You know, many of the undergraduate programs uh, are including the role of health policy in the curriculum as we're learning and how important that is. So we as a nursing profession have changed in advance. Also, we have many mentors. I was lucky to have some fabulous mentors. I had Dr. Hazel Johnson Brown, my first, the first, the nation's first African-American female general 
at George Mason University with my mentor. And she talked about why we need nurses at the table at policymaking tables. And so I think more and more nurses, we need to be mentors. And that's why kudos to Sharon with her Yale School candidate program. She's pulling in leaders in nursing from all levels, whether it be local, county, state, congressional, um, or at the executive, federal, administrative side as well. And, you know, nurses, I think in the past, we've been moms, we've been multitasking, we're taking care of people, and we really hadn't thought about that role. But I will say to you, we need to be involved. You know, we have that perspective, Jeremy, like you said. You know, when you said we're organized, we're a little bit, you know, too organized and a little <laughs> controlling. I'm sure if you ask my staff, they oh, no. would say that no, on some days. Um, we like to be in the middle and manage things. But that's what makes us good at campaigns. And what makes right. us particularly good, I'm sure Sharon knows, when we meet people, we can connect. And as soon as they know a nurse, um, Dr. Susan Hassemuller at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, she and I are great friends. She and I did our PhD program together, and she will go out from Robert Wood Johnson, and she'll share the Gallup poll. What is the number one profession that people trust? Nurses. So when I campaign, I don't introduce myself as a politician. I'm a nurse. So my billboards will say nurse, educator, or they'll say nurse, educator, mom, depending on the community that I'm in. People love nurses. And I bet, Sharon, when you went door to door, you got a lot of health information. I know I got to see a lot of That's body parts. That's true. It might have been more than you wanted, right? <laughs> my rest. my rest. And I have people open their mouth. Look at this. Is this something I need to go to the dentist for? I'd be like, Okay. People like nurses. Oh, <laughs> you are funny. exactly right. I was invited in so many houses, and I looked at a lot of rashes, and I looked at a lot of body parts. You are exactly right. You are exactly right this about that. People trust you, right? They do. They trust you. And we are so happy that you are going to be joining us one way or the other with the candidates school for nurses at Yale. We're just so happy. Being the first nurse to ever serve as a lieutenant governor in the entire country um, and that we have access to you is beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, so I want to tell you thank you for that. And going back to my scholarly piece of my work at Yale, you are cited in my paper um, that I had to put together. And this is and, and it's my favorite part of the paper. You say that nurses are educated for the political journey. And yep. I end by saying, but will they take that journey? And uh, I just I just love that. Would you like to add anything to that? You know what I really mean by that? We have the perfect skill set. You know, we know how to listen. We know how to make great assessments. Um, the thing that I think we're really strong at is taking parts and analyzing them and pulling it apart. So whether it's a simplistic policy, you know, that's addressing early childhood school policy or something complicated, changing our correctional system or even more complex, you know, looking at charters and our local communities and looking at uh, the walkable, bikeable trails, looking at, you know, actual charters. I mean, you name it. We're good at it because we know how to break it down. And you know what we do really well? We prioritize really well. And nurses, because we are in life and death situations often, make fast decisions. 
some policymakers that I have worked with take a long time to make policy decisions. <laughs> and sometimes that is okay, but not always. But we also don't shoot from the hip. And that's what I like about nurses. Because sometimes policymakers will do what they think is popular. It's not always right. And, you know, being a solid policymaker, you have to make tough decisions. And sometimes they are not popular. But you base them on information and data. And that's what nurses do. We're not going to shoot from the hip because, oh, this sounds really good that we're going to do this in this federally qualified clinic and we're going to make these changes. We step back. And we quickly assess what's the outcome, what are the social determinants. Nurses see the big picture. A lot of times people can't do that. And so I encourage nurses who are listening, who've been frustrated, who've gone into the laundry room or the break room or the kitchen in the middle of the night and wanted to scream out loud because they were having to get the papers together for a discharge or during day shift, they were, you know, denied doing a procedure with a patient or had to turn someone away. Take that frustration and put it into action. Support a candidate you believe in or get to know policymakers, get involved, get involved in your groups and decide to run yourself. Be the positive change. Take, as Sharon said, that political journey because you do have the skills and the ability to run. I agree with that. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's a great, great summation of everything that's in my 67 page paper. <laughs> you, did, you didn't have to write that, Sharon. You just had Bethany come and talk and it'd have been done, see? <laughs> she could have saved me a lot of time. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, you know, Bethany, we really appreciate all this. I'm going to kind of take it a little bit lighter here and uh, yeah. ask you, you know, if, if you had could do anything else other than be a nurse or, or be a policymaker, lieutenant governor, another profession, what, what would you do? What would I have done? A couple different things. One you're going to get a kick out of, and the other you're going to be surprised. You know, I have an artistic side, you know, and when I got out of college, uh, my best friend's family were our makeup artists out in Hollywood and really involved. And believe it or not, you know, um, the arts and performing arts and dance and things were always important to me, but I never followed through on that side of myself. The other side of myself was being raised on a farm and around a lot of young men um, and others. I was also exposed at a young age to aviation, and I always wanted to grow up and be a professional airline pilot. Huh. Um, never did that. Don't ever see myself doing that now. <laughs> um, but something completely different that probably surprises folks. Interesting. Yeah, those are really two different sides of the equation as well. (laughs) Well, I'm not too sure that politics is not like being on the stage. (laughs) Mm, I think you've got to be somewhat on the stage. Kind of on the stage. You are absolutely right. As nurses, I love what I do. I have no regrets. You know, out of high school, I was accepted into an accelerated medical school. Um, and I am so glad I didn't take that path. I didn't want to follow that. I didn't want to just diagnose and treat. I wanted to do some really different things. And so being a nurse has allowed me that flexibility uh, that I could to be an educator, a researcher, a scientist, uh, because I do all that. I still have research, and science is very important to me. Um, and this other position is part-time in the state of Delaware. Each legislature is a little different state-to-state. And it has allowed me that flexibility. I'm quite busy as lieutenant governor, I have to say, um, and uh, look forward to the reelection this fall. 
am taking a sabbatical at the university this fall when I have re-election, but I really, truly, um, you know, encourage listeners not to be worried. I lost that first race like Sharon. I pulled my pants up the next day, went out, and just restarted. And that's what nurses are. Nurses are resilient, and we, if we have a wall, we figure out how to go over it, under it, or around it. And um, that's what makes us, I think, really good candidates. Well, I love it. Over it, under it, or around it. And Sharon, what did I you like do? I like that. Sharon, you went to Yale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but you Jeremy didn't likes stop. to mess you, with you, me you about the, this I'm all the time. I'm proud of you for keeping going. Carolina <laughs> girl at Yale. I think your accent must stand out at Yale. Oh, God. A little bit. <laughs> Her accent stands out everywhere, Bethany. What do you mean? Do I? Oh, what did you say? I, I said Sharon's accent stands out everywhere. Listen, it's gotten better over the years, Jeremy. You've known me 23 years. I sounded like a country hick the first time you ever met me. I, I know, and you don't sound like that at all now. Um, oh, and Bethany, <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a great show. Is there anything as we conclude that you would like for our listeners to take up, get across to them as we just kind of bring this to a close, Bethany? Yeah. Um, you know, I think you pretty much covered a lot. Uh, the one thing, you know, I think is that if nurses, because we are very dedicated, no matter where we are practicing, to making sure people are cared for and communities are cared for. And if you really want to take care to the best level, the broadest level, where you're going to have the biggest impact, it is at public policy making tables, both local, county, state, national, and one thing we didn't mention, internationally. And I think when we're seeing the coronavirus, which is a pandemic and a global issue, you know, we need nurses at every level. And you don't have to start out big. You don't have to start out by running for governor or U.S. Senate or U.S. Congress. You know, you can start out local, local boards, local commissions, school boards, helping other people who are running for office that you believe in. And again, until nurses are seen as Incredible. And at those tables, other people will be speaking for us. And so, again, kudos to Sharon and you, Jeremy, for having this podcast. I'm so honored to be invited here today and as a chair-elect of the National Lieutenant Governor Association to the nurses who are listening, you know, chime into your local uh, elected officials and at your state level, your state general assemblies, your representatives or delegates, whatever title you give them, your senators, your U.S. senators, your U.S. congresspersons. Uh, and certainly your lieutenant governor and governor. I'm very biased. You know, lieutenant governors have a lot of power, a lot of influence. And sometimes people forget about the lieutenant governor. So I would highly recommend you have those relationships uh, at your state level. No, well, Bethany, thank you. I can't wait to see Dan Forrest the next time and tell him who I know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, Bethany, thank you. Thank you for, one, being on our show. We really appreciate it. Um, too. Thank you for all you're doing out there for for nurses and APRNs across the country. You know, that's much appreciated. Um, and thank you for what you do for all your constituents up in Delaware and across yep, the country. You are as quite well. welcome. So thank you. Thank you, Sharon. I can't wait to see you in person. Now I get a pretty look at your face today. <laughs> uh, well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. I think it is. Well, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review, but only if it's positive. positive. That's right. 
Uh, Thank you so much for listening to us today, and we hope everybody has a great rest of your week. Hi, everybody. This is Jeremy. Remember back in episode 45 when my co-hosts Sharon Pierce and Kimberly Gordon talked about the candidate school for nurses that they're piloting at Yale for May of 2020. The application process opened on January 1st. If you're a nurse or a nurse anesthetist and interested in running for elected office, or even if you're interested in managing another nurse's campaign, you will not want to miss this opportunity. As the first candidate school for nurses in the country, you will want to be in the inaugural class. Just go to the Yale Nursing website and search Candidate School for Nurses and apply today. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.